0: Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's awesome. Well, hey, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Matthew the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue a little bit of a surf camp summer theme right now for the message. But in Matthew chapter 5, we also see in Mark chapter 9 and also Luke 14, Jesus says something pretty amazing, something you've seen, something that I've read before. But He says something that it's quite incredible. He says this in verse 13, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says he says, "You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless." He says, you are salt. I want to preach a message this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write the title down. If you're not taking notes, you can write the title down. (laughs) This is the title of the message, Summer Salt. Summer Salt. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Father, we believe that it's going to speak life to us. It's going to help us. It's going to shape us and mould us into who we're called to be. God, we thank you that in the pages of our Bibles, we find absolute truth. We find your goodness, we find your grace, we find your mercy. Father, we find healing when we read your words. Father, we thank you that as we come before you today, we submit to the authority of your word and we believe for great things, Lord, today in your house. And Father, we thank you for colonial kids as well. We pray you bless them as well as they're in church with us and a faith-filled church said together, amen. Jesus tells the hearers right here in this passage, Sermon on the Mount, teaching, People about the kingdom of earth. Uh, sorry, the kingdom of heaven here on earth. He says, he says, you are the salt of the earth. I think I've been addicted to salt water my whole life. I grew up in Australia, and pretty much, if you if you're in Australia, if you exist in Australia, you pretty much live on the coast because anywhere inland is almost uninhabitable. You can't live there. Um, so everyone sort of just you just grow up. At the beach. You grow up, I can't remember a season of my life growing up where I wasn't running in and out of the surf, running in and out of the water. And I love that that, that theme is continued. Um, now that Jill and I are married, have kids, like we are just constantly in the water. I love the beach. Anyone else here love the beach? I think if you live in St. Augustine and you don't like the beach, you've got mad problems. <laughs> and you need to do something about it because it is all about the beach and some are Here. And I love the salt water. I love getting out of the truck and unloading after we've been at the beach and just feeling like cakes of salt just on my arms and my shoulders. And you know what I'm talking about? It's just a good feeling. It's almost like every time we go to the beach or we're in the intercoastal, it's like we're getting a salt spa. You know, it's just, it's good for you. something about being in the salt water and the sunshine that's good for you. But it's interesting to me that in the Bible, There's lots of references to salt. And you maybe don't know that. Maybe today this this message will be an eye-opening example of that for you. But outside of this one verse we read about in Matthew and also in Luke and also in Mark, which, by the way, are synoptic Gospels, so they complement each other. They're roughly the same. That's what synoptic means. John's Gospel is different. But in in those three Gospels, we see this verse. But through the Bible, we see examples of salt being used. Numerous references in various contexts is used metaphorically and I believe spiritually as symbols to signify certain things, things like permanence, loyalty, durability, fidelity. Another example is usefulness, value, but also purification. I'll show you a couple of verses. Second Chronicles, this is chapter 13 and verse 5. It says, Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave kingship over Israel forever to David, Look at this, and his sons by a covenant of salt. In Ezra chapter 6 and verse 9, part of the temple offering included salt. In Exodus 30 and verse 35, part of the incense included salt. You know, everything you read about in the Bible in the Old Testament has a New Testament spiritual implication, has a New Testament spiritual parallel. And we see that again, let me show you a New Testament verse. This is Colossians 4 and verse 6. This is the apostle Paul speaking to the church. He says, "Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to treat each other." Oh, sorry, to answer each person. And when you gave sacrifices in the Old Testament, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but it was actually procedure that you had to season all offerings with salt. All offerings had to be. Had to have salt in them. It's Leviticus 2, verse 13. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. When the Bible in the Old Testament says you shall, or God says you shall, it's not like a, hey, would it be nice? It'd be really nice if you did this. It says, if if it says you shall, it's like, do it, otherwise you're going to (laughs) die. Basically. God's saying, no, I'm serious about this. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. See, God knows what He's doing. He knows beginning to end. There's a reason that he did that in the Old Testament. It's for us now today even. It says, you should With salt, you shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. Salt, naturally speaking, is vitally important. It's vitally important. I went into this deep hole of salt history this week. As I was preparing the message, I used to quickly pull myself out. And so is only a message for one week. I need to get out of here quickly. I need to get out what I need and leave. But salt is vitally important just in life. I like this description I found. Salt is a symbol of lasting concord because it protects food from putrefaction and preserves it. Listen to it. It, preser- it preserves it unchanged. Salt in history and antiquity was a reason and was so valuable that it would be reason that cities and nations were created and they would become and be destroyed because of access to salt, getting salt and salt trading was massively valuable throughout history. Salt is really important. So why am I talking about salt? Why is salt important for us? Why does Jesus here in Matthew 5 say to those people that were there, the hearers at the time, why does he say you are the salt of the earth? What's the point? What's the implication? Why is it important for us? Okay, number one, here we go. Salt preserves. Okay, salt preserves, or in other words, salt keeps things going. Salt keeps things going. I said, I said I'd read from Mark 9. Here it is in verse 49 in the Passion Translation. Jesus here is talking about eternity that all of us will pass through to eternity one day and he mentions salt, look at what it says. Everyone will pass through the fire, look at this, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is excellent for seasoning. But if salt becomes tasteless, how can its flavour ever be restored? Your lives, like salt, are to to season and to preserve. There it is, preserve, So you don't lose your flavour and preserve the peace in your union with one another. Salt is a preserver. What does that mean for you and for me today? Listen to me, friend. Your life in Christ, your new life in Christ is meant to preserve the world around you. It's meant to be a preserver, to keep it going. Your life in the world around you, salt keeps things from decaying. Salt extends life. And so what happens if salt is removed? It decays quickly. That's why our society, that's why our schools, our healthcare, our government, our corporate world need salt. That's why different parts of our society, if you take the salt out, what happens? It decays quickly. We're seeing this happen in real time. If you take Christianity out of a society, if you take the salt of the earth out of society, out of the corporate world, out of the school system, out of the education system, out of the government, what happens? It decays quickly. Salt is a preserver. Salt preserves, extends. So let me make it personal for you. That's why it's vital that you're here today. That's why it's vital that you come to church. That's why it's vital that you're in the Word of God. That's why it's vital that you go to the Lord in prayer. But then you go off and you live in the world that God has called you to live in. Why? Because your life preserves the world you're in. It extends life to it. It helps it stay. It helps it keep. It helps it stay where it's meant to be. I feel like this is good preaching this morning. Come with me. The purpose of your life is to be a life preserver. You know the easiest thing to sell on a sinking ship? A life preserver. Put any amount on that you want and you'll get it. Ships going down, you've got the life preserver. You know that's exactly the way our lives are and the world around us. There is a ship that is going down. And the salt that exists in you and me, it preserves the life around us. You have salt in your life. And it's vital that you live in the world around you. Why? So you can preserve it, so you can keep it. I think about it this way. Sometimes I just need to be in my my world to preserve it a little bit longer, to give a little bit more time for grace, for the Holy Spirit to come in, for there just be potential for a miracle to see someone saved in Jesus' name. Salt preserves. And this world... Definitely needs salt. See, if the world would listen, they'd understand that we have the answer, Jesus. But Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth because we preserve. And can I just encourage you, if you're in here today and you run a business, you you should have prayer meetings every morning. If you're in here today and you run a team of any kind, you should have prayer meetings. You should bring the Word of God in because what are you doing? You're bringing salt in. You're bringing salt that comes in and preserves. You're bringing life that comes in so it means it doesn't decay. We should be people of salt. So number one, salt preserves. Number two, you ready? Salt purifies. Salt also has purifying power. God's people, the Hebrew people, would use salt to treat wounds to help clean, to help clean things up. Salt would help things stay pure. As long as the salt was good, it was good to keep things pure. And I love that in the natural, you know, there's basically two two types of salt. Remember I told you I went on a salt study this week? Salt professional here now, if you need any advice about salt, come see me. Don't, please don't. There's two kinds of salt. Basically, there's rock salt and there's sea salt. And it was so amazing to me as I'm learning about this, this, but, but, but rock salt, the way that rock salt stays pure is actually amazing to me. And to me, signifies so much about you and me. Because Jesus says, you are the salt, remember? But the way that salt stays pure is it's always lined up and pushed up against a rock. And as it's pushed up against a rock, the way it stays pure is by the washing of water over it. And the washing of water over it, as it's pushed up against the rock, makes it pure. Now think about your life. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's our rock. Yeah. And as we sit against the rock, as we stand against the rock, as we put ourselves on the foundation that is the rock and allow the Word of God, which Ephesians 5 says, washes over us, sanctifies us. Paul speaks to the to the church about marriage. And he says to husbands, when it comes to the wife, say, you can wash your wife with the Word of God. That's what the Word does. It washes over us as we're pushed up against the rock. Yeah, the Word washes over us and makes it more and more pure. Salt purifies. And salt has a purifying impact in our world. You know, salt has a purifying force. If believers would understand this, you know, it would change everything. It would change everything about our world. Why? Because there might be a reason that you're in that messed up culture at work. Why? Because you are salt. And it's because of your salt. There might be a reason you're part of that family that desperately needs Jesus. Why? Because you're salt. There might be a reason in that friendship you feel like you're the only one focused on eternity. Why? Because things are decaying, but you're bringing in salt in Jesus' name. Salt is a purifying force in the world today have you ever noticed when a believing christian goes into a group of unbelievers situation a setting social setting maybe the, have you ever noticed the unbelievers all of a sudden will maybe think twice about cussing <laughs> think twice about behavior think twice about what they're doing because they're in the presence of a believer they're in the presence of salt Amen. and the salt's having a purifying impact And all of a sudden, your salt, listen to me, friend, your salt in whatever environment will purify that environment, that will bring healing to that environment, that will bring the goodness of God and favour and flavour into that world. Salt purifies in our lives. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. It's interesting to me, sometimes I think about when Jesus says things, the things that He didn't say. Like, for example, He didn't say, you might be salt. Oh, this is really good. This is really good. He didn't say, you might be salt. He didn't say, oh, if you come to church 10 weeks straight, you'll be salt. He didn't say, hey, if you keep up good tithing records, then you'll be salt. No, he said, you are salt. You just are. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, the moment that you began your new life in Christ, there was like a salt deposit that came into your soul. And all of a sudden, things changed. All of a sudden, you were different. I know when I got saved, all of a sudden, I just knew I was different. Can I get a witness in church this morning? I just knew there was something different on the inside of me. I'd go into environments I used to go into, social settings. I used to go into the things I used to go and do. And I'd be like, man, I don't want to even do this anymore. I don't even need to be here anymore. I need to be found in the house of God. I need to be pursuing the things of God. What happened? Salt came in. Jesus said, you are salt. So listen to me, friend, if you're questioning that today, can I just encourage you, you are salt. God has put salt in you. He's deposited salt in your life in Jesus' Name. He didn't say, oh, well, you might be. If you get things right, you will be. But He also said for salt to remain like good salt, we've got to be careful. We have to sit close to Jesus and be in His Word. So salt purifies, number three, you ready? Salt enhances Salt enhances, what am I saying there? That means salt makes a noticeable difference. It makes things taste better. It enhances the flavour. Do you know your belief in Jesus in your world makes it better? Your faith in Jesus Christ, you make God taste good in your world, hopefully. You make God, you make faith attractive in your world. You make Jesus, and this idea, this truth of who Jesus is, but a relationship of Jesus, you make that attractive to the world around you. That's what salt does. i love it if you could write this thought down. To be salt means to make a difference. To Just to be salt, just to, to exist as salt, like Jesus is saying, means to make difference. A difference. Here we go, Luke 14. Uh, in the message, it says, salt is excellent. I would agree. Salt is excellent. But if the salt goes flat, it's useless. <laughs> it's useless. It's good for nothing. What do they do with bad salt? They throw it on the roads. If you want the grass to die, throw it down on the grass. That's what you do with bad salt. But the good salt ends up on the table and is used for Seasoning. To be salt means to make a difference. How does salt get bad? How do you have bad salt spiritually well? An example of that is negativity. You had good salt, but it's coming bad real quick because you know you're no longer representing the goodness of God if you're being negative all the time. that's how bad salt can come about. Another way is silence. If the Holy Spirit's prompting you to speak out, to say something, to be encouraging, to put voice to something and you don't, you just be silent. can I discourage? That's a way to be bad salt because you're not letting forth what is good going into it. A lack of being in the Word of God, starving. You're starving for the Word of God. You've got to be in the Word of God. That's how you be good salt. I love being in the Word of God because I feel like every time I read the Scriptures, God always gives me Scripture to give someone else. So this is the thing about being salt, is you just are salt. Salt just is who you are. You just start being salty everywhere you go. Salt enhances. It builds up. It brings about something good, in Jesus' name, to be God flavor. So if there's if, if we could be bad salt, how could we be good salt? I got a few. I got a little laundry list, a little shopping list of how we can be good salt this morning. You ready? How can you be good salt? Well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to be real. You want to be good salt? Just be real. Be yourself. What's the old saying? Just be yourself, because everyone else is taken. Everybody else is taken. Don't try to be someone else. Just be you because we need the real you. Let me say it this way. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs the real you. Needs the real you to be you in your world. Be real. That's how you start off by being a salt Christian. Be real about your faith. It's what people really want to hear. It's what people are really interested in. Another way we can be sold is to be interested in other people's lives. Care about them. Ask someone three words. How are you doing? That was four. (laughs) How are you doing? There you go. There's three. (laughs) How are you doing? Ask someone the question. How are you? Invite them to say something to you. Invite someone to respond and say, actually, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. You know, that's an opportunity to be salt. That's an opportunity to bring salt and to maybe treat some wounds, to bring salt in and maybe help in some way, to enhance in some way. What's another way we can be salt? We can be generous. We can give people our lives. You know, that's the beauty about the early church. If you study the early church, the reason the early church grew so much was because they were willing to do things that no one else was willing to do i.e. take children that didn't have parents, i.e. help people that were um, sick and maybe dying. They went above and beyond to give people their lives. Why? Like Chris said, it's because God has already given us so much. So how can we be salts? Be generous, pour out. Give people our lives. That's how we can be salt. Here's another way we can be salt. Be a God voice. I like this one. Share Scripture. I, I got a little tip for you, Okay. This is a good one. Text verses to unbelievers. It will shock them. Because here's what happened is they don't know what's happening, but what we're doing spiritually is we're just throwing in a little grenade. We're about to blow up their world with some, some Scripture. Because what, what do we know about the Word of God? It never returns void. So when we sow a seed, when we send a little bit of salt in, we know it's going to make a change. We know it's going to make a noticeable difference. We don't necessarily know the impact or the result. We may not see it, but God knows exactly what He's doing. All we have to do is send a little bit of salt into the situation and see the change. I love the opportunity that we have as believers to be a God voice to the world around us. That's how we are salt. Text verses to unbelievers. It will shock them. They won't know what to do with it. But that's the point. God knows what to do with it. So be a God voice. The next one, be looking to be sold. Be on the lookout. Colossians 4 and verse 5 in the message, Paul said it this way. He says, use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. I wanna stop there. You you don't actually know you're supposed to exist with non-Christians. I wanna just like bust up a myth here. You're supposed to live Like it says right here, among outsiders. What does that mean, non-believers? People who don't believe yet. It's your job and my job to to be with non-Christians. I have to sometimes, even as the lead pastor of our church, I need to stop sometimes and take inventory and ask myself the question, do I know people who don't believe? Because I need to know people who don't believe because then I can affect change in their lives. I can help them pass from death to life. We've got to understand that God wants us to Go into people's world, be looking for conversation. So he goes on, he says, don't miss a trick. Make the most out of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. You know, when I'm talking to people, sometimes it's a little more difficult now because I am actually a pastor. I didn't used to be a pastor, so it was a little bit different in conversations, but I'm always looking for some way to get an invite to church into my conversation with someone I don't know. Are you like me? Hopefully you are. But I'm like, I'm introducing, I'm asking questions, leading questions like, hey, where, do you, where about some town do you live? And what do you do for work? And I'm hoping, well, what do you do for work? Hoping for that one to come back. And I'll be like, well, actually, I'm the pastor of a church. And usually that goes one of two ways. From there, it's sort of like it's a fork in the road. You know what I'm saying? but I pray we'd always be on the lookout, on the lookout to have that God conversation, to be salt in a conversation, not shy away from the fact that we're salt. You know, if you feel a noticeable difference when you're in relationship with someone who's an unbeliever, can I just encourage you, that's the way it's meant to be. You're meant to be in that situation. Maybe you're in here today, you're a young person, you're surrounded by friends that don't go to church, don't believe, don't care about the things of God and it feels a little bit like it ruffles you up a little bit. Can I just encourage you? You are salt. You're meant to be there. You're meant to be in the middle of that environment. You're meant to be the one bringing the answer. God has placed you right there to be salt. That's how you can be salt. What are some other ways? Here's a good one, be encouraging. encouraging. It sounds so simple. But be encouraging. You know, people flock towards people who are positive. Positivity encouragement is a magnetic force. And pretty quickly they're gonna work out why. I just I said this in the nine o'clock, I just feel like I need to say it right now. But you have no right to be miserable. Most of the time we should be happy as Christians. I get it. Sometimes there's struggles. I've been through struggles myself. I've walked through the fire myself, but because I have Jesus, I can make it through. But because I have Jesus, I have joy. Let's be people that understand, man, it's so good to be happy. People will come to me because I'm just a happy person. I don't text, when I'm feeling down, I don't text someone who's miserable. I don't reach out to someone who's always negative when I'm feeling a little bit down. I'm reaching out to the guy who's always positive. I'm texting the guy who's always gonna, um, you know, put a bit of wind in my sails. I'm always gonna gravitate towards that person. What am I gravitating towards? It's salt in Jesus' name. Be encouraging. That's how you be salt. Another way we can be salt, be forgiving and gracious. Forgiveness and grace. have a gracious tone. It's a thread of the New Testament to be gracious in our words and always accommodating with our words and always positive with our words and helping people along the way. Sometimes people just need one, one line. That's what I've noticed. Sometimes in church life, I feel like some of the young people that come into our church, sometimes all they need is just one word. One word of gracious speech, one word of mercy, one word of grace can help them get to next week or next month or next season. Let's be people who are always forgiving, always gracious as salt. And then the final way I wrote down is let's always just be a gospel channel. A gospel channel. Work an invite to church into every conversation you have With people, be relentless about seeing people find Jesus. You know, if you call colonial church home, this is something you just got to get on board with pretty quickly. But we are a church that is relentless about finding lost people. I feel like that I should have just got roared with an amen then. (laughs) But I didn't at all. So but we just we're a church that is relentless about finding lost people. Constantly thinking, how can we we go among outsiders? How can we find our way into the highways and the byways and reaching out to people that don't know us, don't know Jesus, don't know the gospel of grace, don't know the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the whole point of surf camp. The whole point of surf camp is not so we can have this nice little insular thing for our own children. That's not the point of it. Jill and I, we have a heart to reach the beach community in our church, in our city, in our county. To be a to be a church that says, you know what? There is a beach community. There are people that are walking the beach every single day. I don't know if you've been down there, but people walk the beach every day. Like you, some of you do it. I went down there recently and I looked down the beach. I couldn't believe how many people were walking on our beach. And I remember talking to some some guy this week who. Um, you know, just had heard about our church and heard about surf camp. And he said this to me, he's just like, I walked past your surf camp and I was blown away by what I saw. I was blown away by the joy. I was blown away by how much the kids were being celebrated. I was blown away by the fact there was a church doing a surf camp. But here's the point. We'll do anything and everything we can to be a gospel channel, to be a conduit of the gospel of grace, to help people find their way in, to understand that God loves them. It's being salt. It's being people that understand, man, I am salt. I don't just wake up one day, I'm salt today, I'm not tomorrow. We are salt. And that's how we can be salt in Jesus' name. So salt preserves, salt purifies, salt enhances. And number four, as the team comes, salt is eternal. Salt is a symbol of eternity. That's why it's called the covenant of salt. That's why salt is so important in the Old Testament rituals because it had sim it was a symbol of what God was doing amongst his people forever. You know, I just want to say this, but the salt in your life might be the difference for someone else's life. The salt in your life might just be what God uses to be the difference for eternity for somebody else. Just think about that for a moment. That the very salt that you have, the salt that God has put in you might be the thing that changes the game for eternity for another person. Let me show you the last scripture today. It's in Numbers 18. And when I read this scripture, I was just, it just got me. It's in Numbers 18 and verse 19. It says, All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you, look at this, as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord and for your offspring with you. Listen to those words. It is a covenant of salt Forever, eternity. And I just, I, I can't finish this message without saying this. But what, when you said yes to Jesus, Jesus took your life, took your soul, and in a sense sprinkled eternity on it. So forever your soul is preserved for God the Father for eternity. And there is nothing that can happen. There is nothing that the enemy can do. There is nothing that a family member can do. There is nothing that devastation can do in your life that can separate or take you away from the sprinkling of salt on your soul, which represents eternity. You are God's possession forever. Salt is eternal. This is a game changer for you and me. This changed everything for me. And the salt that now exists in my life could just be the difference for someone else's eternity. In Jesus' Name. Would you stand with me? God, we just thank You right now for salt. Summer salt, Lord. Father, we just thank You that this summer doesn't have to be just like any other summer. But Father, I pray that You would season our summer with salt. That You would season every part of our lives, God, with salt, with eternal salt. Father, I pray that You would give us a revelation of just how much this matters, just how much Your, Your covenant, Your symbol of eternity matters to us through Jesus. Father, I pray that we would be salt in our worlds. Father, I pray that we would be gracious at times when people need grace. Father, I just pray that You would use the salt that You've given us. Help us to be salt in our worlds as we help to invite people into the family of God in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's worship together. Let's sing, come on.